It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. I want to share with you today, uh, we're going to cover a decent amount of scripture today along the lines of Labor Day, how God works. And we're going to look at an aspect of God's creation and redemption that we often don't look at. And that's when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he uh, come to do that work to redeem mankind back to his father, but he also came to redeem the creation back to his father. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, not only was mankind put under a curse and put under the curse of sin, but also the creation was put under the curse of sin. Even the cosmos, all things were put under the curse of sin. And that's why we struggle today to, to you know, raise crops and to do the things that, that we can make a living by. I want you to first turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. We're going to lay the groundwork for a sermon I call Genesis again. Genesis Again, and while you're turning there, how I believe the Lord led me to this, Katie and I were traveling to and from school this past week, and I was down a vehicle for most of the week, so we did a lot of carpool, and I did a lot of, of Uber with our, our little, Amy's little kid, but it worked out, God is good, so we did a lot of traveling back and forth, and when the weather finally began to cool off toward the end of the week, uh, you, when we traveled to Cherokee Bluff and, you know, down to Oakwood and Clary Branch, down that way, begin to see, you know, deer crossing the road, and animals on the move, and we're always looking, there's a farm there on Sloan Mill that Katie always looks, we look at and see if we can see any chickens out there, and there's typically a bunch of goats up on the, up on the wood right there, it's a really pretty farm, and some horses, so we got talking about all that, of course hunting season is, is here for small game, and, and then the deer hunt starts on Saturday, so we begin to get in that discussion, uh, you know, I told Katie that I was kind of proud of how it seemed like on, you know, on our little place there, the, the animals were balanced. I did a lot of trapping last year, uh, did, did some hunting, and, and it's important that that stuff is balanced. I know we're, the day that we live in, the natural world is kind of an afterthought or kind of put behind us in, in some ways when it's just as important and as relevant and as, as needed as it ever has been. But we were talking about that, and we got to talking about hunting's place you know, where hunting fits into all those things and, and uh, you know, to manage the animals. If you don't hunt them, if you don't balance the carrying capacity of the land and what the land can offer them, then they're going to get diseased, they're going to die, and it's a whole lot worse of a death than, than any, uh, uh, you know, hunter could inflict on them. So we got to talking about that, and I got to talking about, it went from there to one day that uh, I mentioned that uh, the, the bear will lay with a lamb, like it says in Isaiah chapter 11. And Isaiah was talking about the coming kingdom of God when Genesis is again. And that's what we're going to look at today. So Katie, and this is, what, this is the key to this, Katie said, so the chicken one day is going to fly with a hawk. And I said, amen. And that, I thought that was well put because we've had hawks pre, uh, be predatory toward our chickens as well as some raccoons. So she said, the hawk will fly with the chicken, and that's exactly right. So I think the Lord led me to that, and again, with, with hunting season beginning to open up, which I enjoy, we're going to look at some things today. This is, you might say, some creation theology, but from the aspect of how, is, how did God in Christ redeem the creation, 
how is he doing that and where will it all end up? It's so important for us as Christians today, we get bogged down in, in the death and the destruction and the, the, the decrease that we see all around us, the, the falling away. It's so important for us through prayer and through faith to look ahead to see what will be. How do we know what will be? By God's word. That's so important that we know God's word and we, we get into it and explore it. And I'll tell you something today that we might not realize. God really values his creation. Now, we're the crown of creation. We have a soul. We are created in God's image. But yet, he values all of the natural world that he created. And when sin entered that, it would be not of God or unlike God or not in his nature to let that go and not redeem it too. Now, I'm not talking about animals going to heaven. I'm not talking about anything like that. I believe animals will be there, but they will be represented. It's going to be the best picture we can get of what will be there with our human minds and what we can understand based on in the world that we live in is what Genesis shows us. Adam in the garden was surrounded by animals. He was surrounded by vegetation. He had dominion. God gave him dominion over all those things. If you have a hunting ground or you have a property, whether you hunt or not or whether you garden, you have dominion over that. And I'm telling you, God looks at how we approach the land. Now, this is not in any way context to global warming and saving the planet. The only way the planet can be saved and will be saved is when God comes and saves it through Jesus Christ, purges all the sin, cleans everything up, and makes it Genesis again. And we're going to look at that. And that's going to happen on earth. So we're going to look at some things today that maybe uh, you never thought of. We are little Adams and Eves. You know, I, I, I used to be in pest control for a while, and we would go to some places that the landscaping and the flowers and, and the fruit trees were absolutely stunning. And I always said that those are our little Edens. We miss Eden from a spiritual context. You know, our ancestor Adam and Eve were kicked out. Sin came in. We miss that beauty that God created. We miss that, uh, that interaction with the, with the created things that God placed for Adam there. You know, there's an enmity now because if I want to enjoy wild things, I have to hide. I have to, to uh, hide because there's that predator-prey dynamic all the time. And whether, you know, I don't know if you agree with me on all this, that's where sin is. That's sin. That's enmity. A lion, as we'll look at in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, or a bear cannot eat with an ox. They're going to kill it. They're going to eat that animal. Uh, that's, that's what sin did. That's the enmity in the created world that sin brought in. So when we, uh, you know, when we plant our gardens and we do our flowers, whether we realize it or not or agree with it or not, we're doing what Adam and Eve did. Adam especially. He named the animals. The lion walked up to him and probably... I can just see Adam, you know, wrestling with a lion and, you know, no bloodshed. No, you can't do that now. The lion's going to eat you. It's going to be, uh, he's going to enjoy you. Adam named those animals from the hippo to the sloth to the insects to, the, to the, the, the bears and the deer and everything else. That was the God-intended relationship with man and animal. And I desire that today. That, your uh, missing Eden may be in your gardening or or whatever, 
I like to have interaction with the animals. I love the natural world. I love, and I have to do that and, and get, uh, there's ways that you do it now that you either have to hunt or you, you can do photography. There's nothing wrong with hunting, but I enjoy that interaction with the animals. That is how God instilled our love and our natural place within the natural world that was meant to be perfect, but sin entered. Genesis chapter 3, 17, God looked to Adam and he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Man, before you go home and browbeat your wives today, all right, remember that he was the ultimate leader. He blamed it on her. When sin comes in, we blame everybody else for our own sin, don't we? So he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam, and your decision. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It is work to raise a garden, is it not? Even if you don't garden, you've got to go to the grocery store and you've got to take that hard-earned money and you've got to lay it down on the counter to get what somebody else worked and broke their back and told to, to raise. So it's there one way of, or the other. And it's easier in some ways now than it was then, but yet it's still an effort. He says, for all the days of your life, you will have to work hard and painfully to eat. It will, the garden will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. Even if you go out and gather, you go out here in the fall and you gather muscadines or hickory nuts or whatever the bounty that is still out there in the forest, you're going to go out there and sweat. You're going to have to go through spider webs, and you're going to have to work to get that food, to process, process that food, and enjoy that food. That's the curse that sin brought into the natural world. He says, by the sweat of your brow, in verse 19, you will eat your food until you return into the ground. Since Adam, from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. I think about uh, when I'm out, exploring or out walking, many times I've found native artifacts. And I think about how different the landscape was then than it is now. And I think about those Native Americans, many of them from the Mississippian culture, the mound builders, all the way down to the, the, the tribes that we know about, the Cherokee, the Creek, and the Chickasaw that roamed this area. They were the lords of their realm at that time. The very ground that I, that, I, that I live on and enjoy and try to use was theirs a long time ago. And they used it under the same curse that I try to use it today. Now they had bows and arrows and more primitive ways of doing things. Today we have tractors and more advanced ways of doing things. It's only ours for a little while. And we're going to go back to the dust. While we're here, it's going to take a lot of work to maintain it and then try to enjoy it which we should. We should be good stewards of the land. Amen? God would look at us hunters, and God would look at us, and he blesses us with a bounty that we still have in, in the natural world. And I think he would kind of question us sometimes and say, what do you give back to that? Have you been a steward of that land? Have you tried to leave it maybe better than you found it for another generation? 
you know, my, it's amazing the changes I've seen with it. You know, my great uncle and my ancestors on both sides of my family farmed the ground that I lived on. There were very few trees. Uh, the wildlife uh, dynamics have changed just in 30 years. That's because of the enmity that sin and the curse that sin brought into the natural world. So I go out there and enjoy it, and I'm not doing right as a Christian that you might say is a servant of God, a follower of God, that God created these things for me to, to enjoy if I do more destruction than I do trying to conserve it. Again, nothing wrong with hunting, nothing wrong with harvesting from the land. We all do it. We're all hunters. Some of us hunt a dove field. Some of us hunt deer. Some of us go to Kroger and hunt the meat cases for those animals that we paid somebody else to kill. We're all hunters, and we all enjoy what God has given us, but it will not stay the same is what I'm trying to say. We're here for a little while. God has given it, given it to us to enjoy, and we are pointed to him in it. We're pointed to Christ, and if we look and think about it and pray about it in the natural world. If you go out around my house right now, you're going to be hitting the head, and you get out in the, the, the woods a little bit, you're going to be hitting the head eventually by a hickory nut. All right? That tree has produced fruit. Reminds me that there's a tree of life that God made and created when he created mankind that allows us to live forever when we eat of it. We will once again partake of that tree of life when we see, when we see Genesis again. So the natural world is under a curse. Go out and cut your grass and then go stand in a fire ant hill after you've run over it with your John Deere lawnmower and tell me that the ground's not cursed. Go and walk through the woods and have come back looking like Halloween never looked before because you've walked through literally 500 Euro spider webs uh, that are invasive now. Go out and see a hawk, as Nathan did one day, a hawk attack a chicken in the, the, the conflict there, or a bobcat pounce on a fawn and eat that fawn. That's sin in the natural world. You say, well, hold on a minute. You're saying that hunting is a sin. No, I'm not saying that because God said to Peter, Christ said to Peter, arise, kill, and eat. It's good for this time. It's required of us at this time. The reason we see so much roadkill now on the roads is because animal populations are really not being managed all that well. Okay, the natural world. I hope I get you looking toward that a little bit today. I know some of you do. I'll be out there with my bow and arrow, good Lord willing, coming up really soon, seeing if I can get some of that ultimate organic meat or seeing if I can eat tag soup or whatever it may be this year. I'm going to enjoy God's creation, but I'm also going to remember that there'll be Genesis again. There'll be a day coming where a deer won't run away from me. There'll be a day coming where the chicken will fly with the hawk. Let's, let's develop this a little bit more. You say, what in the world are you talking about today, preacher? This isn't often looked at. This isn't often looked at. If we move on down to Psalms 102, see if I can find my scripture here. Let's go to Psalms 102, chapter... 102 of the book of Psalms. Let's go to verse 25. I'm going to develop this even more because multiple times from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the beginning to the end, 
God reveals to us how he values the natural world. He values us far more, far higher than the animals, but yet he values that natural world because it was all created for us to enrich our lives. I tell you what, you could give me personally the riches of a city somewhere and I'd be miserable. I'll take the, 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 the I'd rather be poor in the country than in the woods, amen? That's just me personally. Uh, we're all different, but God has given us these things. And this is what it, the psalmist said, verse 25 of Psalms 102. He said, in the beginning, God, you laid the foundations of the earth. He laid the foundations of the earth, the rock formations, the mountains, the hills, the valleys. He laid those foundations just like a builder lays out a place of a dwelling or a house. And the heavens are the work of your hands. When you see a beautiful sunrise or a sunset and you see those colors, God is saying, I'm here. I made this. This is my painting. This is my canvas for you to enjoy and to realize I did this. And in verse 26, he says, they will perish, but you will remain. Natural things is what he's saying. Mankind and natural things will perish because of sin, but you will remain. And if he remains because our God works and he labors to right all wrongs, then we don't have to remain that way forever. Even the animal kingdom, the natural world, does not have to remain that way forever and will not remain this way forever. We look ahead here. He says, you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be discarded. You wear out a shirt, you throw it away. It's got holes in it. It's got stains on it. it in my case, you've outgrown it. You're a little bit, little bit uh, wide in the middle, and you can't wear it anymore. You want a new one. That's what God is doing for us. Spiritually, that's what he's doing in the cosmos, and that's what he's going to do and is doing in the natural world. It's going to be new again. I am making all things new. All things new. And that's going to be a great day. I've often heard people say, you know, and I've said it, I guess, when I'm in heaven, I'm going to hunt the turkeys and chase the deer and all those things. Well, with the right theology there, you're not going to do any hunting in heaven. You're not going to do that because that hunting, and I'm, I love hunting. Don't get me wrong. In my present state, you're not going to be doing any hunting there because that's enmity and sin that come into the natural world that's not going to be in heaven. However, you're going to get all the satisfaction and all the enjoyment that you get out of hunting or interacting with the natural world, whether you fish, hunt, or trap, or whatever you do. You're going to get all that enjoyment times two billion because it's going to be made new. That trophy that, uh, you know, I may have in my basement or in my room or whatever that I had to, you know, kill to harvest to get, whether through trapping or hunting or whatever, when I get to heaven and I'm in that natural, when, when, when we get to the, the new heaven and the new earth, new earth when all that's taken care of one day coming soon, that animal, I will enjoy it and still have dominion over that because that's how God meant it to be, and it won't run away from me. It won't run away from me. The grizzly bear that are bad news for anybody that encounters one, especially a mother with cubs, will be docile and will want to come up and for us to pet it 
and for us to love on it and to enjoy the beauty of it. That's what hunting and fishing is all about. That's what, whether you hunt or fish or you bird watch or you do photography, whatever, outside, that's what that is all about. It's our desire to enjoy what God has created. And it's limited now. It's limited now because of sin. Think about what it's going to be in heaven. I love to go hunt and fish, and I'm getting older, and I'm slowing down at it. I'm a, it. There's a lot more of me to carry through the woods and the fields and the valleys than there used to be, especially going up the hills. Okay, and I enjoy it, but I'm limited in it. I, it's, I'm going to be limited of how much more I can do it. I don't think I'll ever lose that enjoyment because for me it's more of a spiritual thing, but there'll be coming a day where I can't do it, either through, de through death, illness, injury. But one day, I get to heaven, God is still going to reward me in perfection and let me enjoy that on a much higher level because there will be Genesis again. Say, and I hope you don't disagree with me that there won't be hunting in heaven, but I don't think theologically that's very, that's very likely because there must be death and there must be bloodshed and there must be the predator-prey dynamic and all those things. But I can guarantee you it ain't going to matter because when we get to heaven, all is going to be made perfect from our minds to, our, to the animals, from our, our souls and our bodies to the pureness of the soil and the plants. Plants die now. You know, one of the greatest losses in the natural world in southern Appalachia has been the loss of the chestnuts. I, I, I've seen pictures of the old chestnuts, what was left of them. Those were magnificent trees. They were huge, fed millions and millions of deer, bear, and every other animal you can think of, fed millions and millions of westward-bound settlers when they settled in the coves and in the hills of the mountains, the American chestnut, but a blight got it. That blight is because there's enemy, enemy, enmity, or conflict because of sin in the world. That blight attacked those chestnut trees. There was no blights in Eden. That's why they had to be kicked out when they sinned because it's a perfect place. One day, there'll be Genesis again. And you're going to see things there that you cannot fathom right now. So he goes on to say, you will change it like clothing. But God, you remain the same and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Beautiful, beautiful language. Then we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 11, which will be the core of our scripture today, the branch from Jesse. You see all this sin that entered, and you know God entered through Christ and in other times, and he he revealed on behalf of his children, humanity, the Hebrews, uh, mainly who we read about, he showed that he still is the God of creation. How did he do that? Anything come to mind there? What did God do to show that he had complete and, and sovereign power over creation? He parted oceans. He parted rivers. Jesus said, peace be still in the storm automatically stopped. He could call any animal to him. He could close the mouths of lions that were soon to devour Daniel. He could send pestilence, use that sin 
He didn't create that sin. He used that sin to bring his children back to him because he was in the process of Genesis again. You see, that's why Jesus came. Without Christ, we in our cursed state as sinners, there's no paradise ahead of us. There's no hope. There was no hope of what Adam and Eve, God had intended for them, eternal life, eternal health, the best of everything, paradise. There was no more hope for that because Satan was fighting God and trying to become God. So he got Adam and Eve to do what he did and rebel. <coughs> well, God, because he's loving and he's merciful, and I believe for him it's a labor of love, is creating Genesis again. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. And you know, uh, I said paradise I thought of a man that everybody's upset about losing this week, a, a, a music sensation, Jimmy Buffett, you know, left this earth. His life was but for a little time like our, ours, all of ours are. But I'll tell you something and remind you of something. I don't care how great the individual is or how much they're loved. If they die without Jesus and professing their faith in him, none of that matters. His paradise, where he ate them cheeseburgers, is past what he wrote about. I hope he was ready. I hope he was ready. But Jimmy Buffett, because he was Jimmy Buffett, ain't getting into heaven because he was Jimmy Buffett. He better know Jesus Christ. Amen? You better know Jesus Christ. You better see what Jesus is doing to make your life better and accept it. You better see that sin, he owes you no forgiveness of sin, but because he loves you, he offers it to you at a great expense to him in the realms of heaven, his son Jesus. But he's also redeeming the natural world. You know why? Because that's his handiwork. If I make a bow or an arrow, and I put hours and hours of work into it, I put the best of my ability into it, and I draw it about five times, and I'm getting to where I know how that bow shoots and put those arrows where I want them to go, which is rare for me, and that thing breaks, the worst feeling in the world. That's my creation. So you know what I do? I automatically start building another one. I ain't need to tell you. Well, I got one done. I'm trying to find another straight tree to cut to make another one, especially when they break. That's what God is done, doing. Creation is broke. Mankind was broke. Jesus, before the, the, the fruit was all the way down within the digestive system of Adam because of their rebellion and their sin, God already was working and had a way and was making a way for the Savior to come so that we could be set free from our sins, so that the animals could be set free. Do you know that the creation, it says, and we'll look at here in just a minute, it groans for their redemption? You say God's going to save every animal and dog? Well, no, I don't believe that. But I believe he's going to restore his creation. We're created as individuals and as unique souls that Jesus came to save. But let's look at this scripture. I don't want to get too long today. Isaiah says, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. I love that because I, that just points to creation. Where a tree's cut off and it seems like there's death, the roots may still be alive and God can renew and a shoot begins to come out of the root of Jesse. A 
tree begins to grow. Regeneration, restoration here. From its roots, a branch will bear fruit. <clears throat> the spirit of the Lord will rest on this individual, it says. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. <clears throat> the spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Here's the most beautiful part of this. Verse 6, the wolf will live with the lamb. I hope at this point we realize that who Isaiah is talking about way before he came was the line of Jesus that would culminate with Jesus. Jesse, father of David, in that line that God had promised. He says, and when he comes and when he dies on the cross and when he comes back again three days later, and I'm paraphrasing here throughout the history that this, these passages outline, he will leave. He will go back to heaven and then you'll have an age of the church and the church will flourish and many people will come to know Jesus. But then one day, and this is still yet future for us, when we least expect it probably, a trumpet will sound and he's going to appear in the eastern sky. And it's all going to be instantaneous. The dead that we've laid in the graves out here recently will rise first. And they'll be caught up with him. And the living in Christ shall be caught up with him. We will meet him in the eastern sky. And he's going to remind us, I'm making all things new. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Welcome to the 